Hello everybody and welcome to episode 15 of TWET, the podcast where we just sit here, chat about games, what's been going on recently and uh, just kind of go from there, you know, in the massively unstructured way that we went before. Um, really sorry if you guys were in the stream, I had some technical difficulties which I had to reset my computer. Thank you NVIDIA for taking up all of my GPU. Uh, uh, good thing yeah. to see us running better now, though. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm running a hell of a lot better. But yes, we are live. We're back, and everything is running as should be. Thank God. So yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for everybody that is there, and, and thank you all on YouTube when this comes out the following day. Uh, thanks for watching it, and I hope that you have a bit of fun here and and um, agree with kind of what we're saying because. This week's a big one. Um, I think this is an emergency <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, as soon as the news that we'll get to was announced, it was basically just oh emergency podcast yeah. immediately, it as was soon as possible. The US office like situation going on, the, the cold opening. Oh. It's happening! It's happening! It's happening! For sure. Um, and it's just been... I'm absolutely shocked by this news. It's some incredible news that personally, I'm just going to start it off and say that I think it's fantastic for a lot of the industry. And there's going to be reasons yeah. as to why, whilst people probably will not agree at this point, why we believe it to be good for the industry. Um, yes. So first of all, first of all, if, if you've not heard the news yet, which I'm surprised you haven't, because it's pretty big news. Uh, Microsoft have bought out ZeniMax Media. ZeniMax Media are the parent company to Bethesda Game Studios and a lot, a whole host of other studios as well, including like Arcane Studios, who did the the Arkham Knight series, which were absolutely fantastic games. And this piece of news on this grand scale is so jaw-droppingly shocking yeah and so huge that the moment that i heard about it i tagged rooster straight into the discord and said rooster it's <laughs> podcast time let's go <laughs> um and uh, it's ri ridiculous news though. it's jaw-dropping news it is it, it, it's completely it, crazy it's it's come out of complete left field that's the thing is yes you know it, there's been no build-up it was just bang like we've acquired bethesda uh, zenimax and all the subsidiaries and it was like what <laughs> okay uh, since when and they just yeah. they're like yeah since now <laughs> just just since now like you know it's just we they're they're us yes they, think, they are us. that is the good way to put it as well um uh, and hopefully things continue the way they are. I mean, you know, Xbox could change in a you know in a year's time and become the bad guy again. But as of present, the way they treat the companies they acquire, I'd like to say that it's more of a they're not owned by Xbox. They're part of Xbox. Yes. Because it's it's very much a case of. Xbox, well, Microsoft have acquired uh, ZeniMax, um, and but you know Bethesda and, and Arcane, it's all very much just keep doing you, keep doing what you do. Only you're now under the umbrella of Microsoft with all the resources and things and glory that that comes along with that. 
but you know all your plans all your current sort of feature, everything you currently work on continue working on it the way you usually do there is no dictatorship with this which is absolutely fantastic yeah i feel like from what we've seen in the past microsoft do tend to just let the developers crack on and do their yeah thing. it was yeah. not very like much uh, Activision, that, you know very much shoehorns the, yeah. the process but it was like when they acquired um obsidian and they, you know there was a lot of question about like oh yeah but is this really that great for obsidian and it really was because as we know when they acquired them obsidian were, were working on uh, the outer worlds and people were wondering like oh yeah but what's what's microsoft gonna do to the outer worlds or are they really happy with how that's going and obsidian have you know said since the acquisition and it's been quite clear that they were acquired by microsoft and just allowed to continue like nothing changed they were working on outer worlds and microsoft just went yeah cool we like what you're doing like just keep making the outer worlds and it obviously wasn't just a case of yeah well as soon as outer worlds is done you do what we want because they've recently just put out a big dlc for the game so even when it released they continued doing what they were doing there was they weren't just pulled away from what they were doing to do what microsoft wanted them to do yeah. which was the big worry um a couple of years ago when microsoft first started acquiring studios they started people were worried about another ea acquire studios fuck them up ditch them and it's just that hasn't been how it's gone oh, no. now like i said i'm not a fortune teller you know five years down the line we may be talking about how Wait, oh my God, you're I not xbox, <laughs> i can't believe xbox did this to all these great companies but as of present that is not the case like they have God, done man. wonders microsoft have done wonders with these studios and teams they've been acquiring and it could just be media spill but so far each of them have just been like yeah no it's been brilliant like being acquired by microsoft was the best thing we did yeah and i mean you, you've got to look at so many um development companies that that have come and and kind of joined with xbox um microsoft and all that i mean mo yang the guys that behind minecraft they've still been allowed to do what they wanted to do and it's not like they're creating a new ip or a new game or anything like that their sole focus is to continue to develop minecraft and i think there have been more teams and there's been more minecraft products coming out like the um like the co-op sort of uh diablo style uh, game. My minecraft dungeons yeah which you know that's that's all well and good, but remember that acquiring can also lead to taking up IPs that are owned by those brands and those companies as well. Um, yeah. And sometimes acquiring those different IPs and those old sort of games that are no longer around, they can use their resources to rebuild that. So what we might actually see yeah, is something yeah, breathe that... Yeah, a fresh breath of life into things as well. Yeah, and things like that's that, yeah. gone. And I think that's what's to be really excited here by microsoft acquiring these basically zenimax media what they're doing is they're allowing them at from what we know at this point we could be we don't know we don't have sources but they're acquiring them saying you guys keep doing what you're doing but here's 10 times a resource and then they'll probably go to them and say look you know let's try this let's do something different i think the biggest worry that people have right now is that games like fallout Elder Scrolls, Doom, you know, those really big IPs, especially in the Bethesda kind of camp, will go to an 
Xbox only exclusive. I don't think that's going to no. happen. No, no. So my my thought process around this is these are established IPs already. They're established universes and everybody across multiple different platforms and all these different platforms absolutely love these games. So what are you doing by removing, you know, as a company, if they've decided to just have it as a, an, like an Xbox exclusive for PC and Xbox consoles, what they're actually doing is they're removing... A, I keep changing the number, but anything between 10 and 33% of their profitability because these are established IPs. If yeah. Elder Scrolls 6 only comes out on the PC and the Xbox, you're actually removing profit because it's an established IP on PlayStation that you know will sell. So what in their right mind would make them do that? They would only be exactly. harming themselves going forward, and it just wouldn't be a smart move financially. Considering... No, uh, they've already proved as well that the fact that they are willing to... Uh, sort of allow things to continue when they acquired uh, Mojang and Minecraft and Undead Labs Minecraft is probably the best yeah, example Minecraft has continued to be put out on multiple things it came out on PlayStation they were just like yeah cool we want to keep putting it out yeah and and, and that's it and Undead Labs is a great example kind of of that because Undead Labs um, the creators of State of Decay you know State of Decay the first one I think was when they were acquired them and then they made State of Decay 2, and now they're making State of Decay 3, you know. And I'm pretty sure that that development team is creating these games, and yeah, they are Xbox exclusives, but they've got complete freedom to create the game as they want it to be created. And you can see that, because there's still those little bits of elements from the first game to the second game um, that they've just they've worked on and they've focused on, and it's not like, an, as you said earlier, an EA, where they're just rehashing the same crap. I mean, the core yeah. gameplay elements are similar, yes, but it was evolved on and it was improved um, across the Undead Labs sort of State of K 1 to 2 and will most probably be the same in State of K 3. And uh, Microsoft is moving and has been moving for years now into a direction where their whole focus is around video gaming. Not yeah, they're more, they're more about the service, the software, the games that they produce more than the hardware that they produce now yes. like yes xbox will continue to make xbox consoles i don't think that'll ever go away i think every generation we will continue to get a new xbox console but their main focus has shifted away from that and has shifted more towards actually producing games and services and things like that it's why their focus to pc has become so much stronger over the past few years is because they realized that you know they have this this belief that gaming it, people have the right to be able to play games however they choose to yes um and like they keep using mobile as the as the as an example and i know a lot of people you know turn their nose up at mobile gaming and, and don't like it but i understand why why it's mobile they keep referring to when they talk about this because it's the perfect example of how yeah you've got your pc gamers you've got your console gamers and you know these are the people that are really into it but if you are a mobile gamer in their eyes you still have the right to play these games yeah. and that's why they're putting out these cloud services and things like that to allow you to play these big ips on your phone now that's your choice. You're not going to get the greatest experience. You want a better experience than that. You want crisp gameplay, you go to console. You want the ultimate experience, go to PC. Yeah. But they come with extra costs and, and you know, things that are needed. Not, not everybody 
can build a PC and have a PC desk set up. And so that's why some people like consoles. It just hooks up to their TV. They sit on their settee. But then likewise, not everybody, you know, let's just say you travel for work and you're literally flights to different countries all the time. Can't take a console on TV with you. No, of course not. And, 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 and so this is where it's coming in really well that they're doing this xCloud and the, this streaming to phones. And I guess, you know, it's going to have problems. It's going to have latency. It's going to have lag. It's not going to be perfect. But that's the sacrifice that you unfortunately are having to make because you don't have access to these other things. And that has been their sort of soul-driven force for the past few years is whoever you are, however you're able to play you deserve to play doesn't matter what your options or choices are here are games we want you to be able to play them yeah and I that is agree xbox with you. now uh, and, that, and that's the thing xbox is moving into ex- accessibility yes, that's what xbox time. are doing they're making gaming as accessible to people everywhere where they can and yeah. that's where they differ with this console war so i did big air quotation marks for anybody who's not watching the video um (laughs) yeah console wars where sony is actually pulling away the accessibility by focusing on trying to get as many exclusives to its console as possible because they're focusing on a hardware cell whereas yeah xbox are moving as you said into the cloud on pc onto their own consoles but i mean that's exactly why there are two consoles being offered with a third one rumored for xbox at different price ranges with different abilities yeah because it's accessibility they've they've transitioned themselves into a brand rather than a console simply put exactly that and it's running off of the you know the game pass so that's what a lot of the new equipment is kind of running off of that's what the xbox series s is really focused on is you know coupling that with game pass yeah it's essentially and... a game pass machine yeah <laughs> and no, it doesn't no matter what digital only nice and small <laughs> hook it, it up to your tv get anybody, the game pass boom anybody in the industry says game pass is the greatest pro consumer thing to happen to gaming for I don't oh, even know how long. Probably since Steam started. Time. Yes, um, I, I, I can. I, yeah, I could. I can agree with that. And it's just the level of accessibility for people because of Game Pass is absolutely unreal. Uh, exactly, Yeti. Who doesn't love Game Pass? No one should have a bad word to say about Game Pass. Anybody who has a bad word to say about Game Pass is just being spiteful for no good reason. Or and, missing the point of it. Or completely missing the point of it. And yeah. and I understand some people are, oh, well, I prefer to own a game. That's fine. People will still have Game Pass and buy games. That's just part and parcel. That's, that's going to happen. But um, there's there's absolutely no reason to, you know, be negative towards Game Pass. Because what does Game Pass actually give people? Well, if you couple the Game Pass with the Xbox Series X, your uh, S, sorry, what you're talking about is a console for £250, just under $300, plus a subscription for, let's say it's just console, I believe that is around about $7.99 right now, monthly yeah, I think for so. console I think so, yeah. That alone, and that's every single month, and that's bringing hundreds of different games, including Xbox first party games from day one, 
that's giving accessibility to people. Now, I, I, and it's something that I spoke to you about, Roost, um, and Alicia, I don't think you were there at that point, but we've got to think outside of the box here and not think about us as an individual and how that impacts us. Because, you know, I'm a streamer, I've got good equipment, I've got a good PC. Um, you guys, we've played games for years. You know, we're in a good place where really we're sitting there going, hmm, do I want the Xbox Series X? Not really, because I've got a good PC. Do I want the PlayStation 5? Yeah, probably because of the exclusive, all of that crap. But what about these people that can't afford that? What about these families that don't have that kind of money and you know they yeah. now have and options? It's think, it's think about the young. It's the younger generation as well that you've got to consider. It's the it's the current you know early teenagers who are going to yes. get one of these for Christmas. It's it's going to be their Christmas present. It's probably going to be one of the biggest, most important Christmas presents they they have for the next few years. I mean, I know that it was like that for me that if I got the late like the latest console when that came out as a christmas present obviously they they come out like eight years apart so you know i was too young when one came out and then i was hitting my sort of early early teens when like the 360 and the ps3 came out and for me and my older brother it was like such a big deal about like oh you know we get one of these one of these uh, latest consoles like this is going to be wild and then at the time we had personally chosen the ps3 I later went on to get an Xbox 360 myself, but when it was me and my brother making the decision together, we agreed that between the two of us, the PlayStation 3 was the better option. And uh, yeah. it was it was a huge thing. And it's like, this is what these consoles are going to be for the younger generation now. And the accessibility and the options that come along with these newer generation of consoles these days is so much bigger than back when we got the PS3 for the first time. And like you said, if if they if they make the choice of the Xbox, whether it's the Series S or the X, you know, you imagine being, you know, 11, 12 years old, you get the Series S for Christmas and your mum or dad agrees that, yeah, actually, this Game Pass thing, that sounds like a pretty good deal. You know, instead of buying them these games throughout the years and then they probably want games for their birthday and then there'll be more games next year for Christmas and things like that, it'll be like, you know, there's this small subscription, which is not far off anything else I'd ever subscribe to. Um, and there you go. Like, my, my child now has this console for Christmas, big deal and all of these games that they can play now throughout the rest of the year and it's like that is is massive that is so is. groundbreaking it's, to the industry in my opinion the, the only thing coming close to sort of anything to do with consoles i think was when playstation announced that you wouldn't have to pay for their online services um as kind of like yeah. close too because that was a huge huge thing um yeah and, and i'm bringing that up because of what yeti's just said here uh saying you know with the game pass ultimate it's only around four pound more a month than the normal xbox live gold which that's exactly true you know you're talking about a model which was um i can't even remember what the cost of gold was anymore it's been so long now but on a monthly kind of subscription payment just to play online which was standard across the industry playstation was one of the first to kind of remove that excluding pc um, from this and equation they add it again. Um, and then and then yeah then they well they did the plus thing which was like here you go you get more crap uh, yeah. which nobody really wants um, and then Microsoft has gone well we have this so we know that people are willing to pay for it so why don't we couple this and then Game Pass together which is Game Pass Ultimate um, so that people not only have access to online accessibility but 100 plus games 
of which some of those are first party games that people would have to probably pay about 50 to 60 quid 60 to 70 dollars to actually play yeah and and then you you've got to consider other countries as well Mm -hmm. and exchange rates a 70 dollar game in america could be very expensive in somewhere you know in europe or middle east or anything like that because of exchange rates so it may not see and yeah, to well, me, I know, 60 I know quid is Linda ridiculous. Has recently been saying that in Norway, she's been facing a lot of like yes. steep pricing issues where like in Norway, the consoles, when she was looking at them, were wildly, wildly overpriced, even, like, even with the exchange rate. And, uh, it, it, took a, it took a while for that to sort of get resolved. So like, you know, there are certain countries that have these issues with exchange yeah. rates and how much things end up end up costing. And so... They're really providing this accessibility because, like, to these countries where it's just you know this subscription and it's so so many games. And the thing is, it keeps getting better. So yeah, yeah it has finally the PC, for example, one has finally come out of um, beta. It was four pound a month, is now eight pound a month. Um, that for one, that's still a fantastic deal. Even yes. if nothing had changed and they just upped it to the eight pound. And just said that, you know, the, the service is, you know, we're confident the service is stable now. So we're out of beta years, the real price. I'd be like, yeah, okay, no, that's that's fair enough. You gave us a cheaper price because you weren't sure whether it was going to be finicky. And you didn't want, you know, you, you wanted a, a goodwill gesture of, okay, if you've got to deal with some shit, you pay less. Yeah. And, you know, that'd be fine. But it's just got so much better. I mean, yeah. they've just oh, acquired yeah. EA Play to it. Like, was, was that a week ago they announced that? And uh, that was I think like, it was about a week ago, yeah. And that was like, oh my god. And then to have acquired Zenimax Studio, which comes along with Arcane, uh, Bethesda Game Softworks, um, id, Tank, Take uh, my Tango £4. Microsoft, Fan- have my extra £4, please. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, 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 can we just talk about the fact that they upped it by £4 and added all of those studios to their umbrella and that means that every single game these people um put out excluding the ones that had already made playstation 5 exclusivity deals which they are honoring um you know are all going to come to game pass day one like that's the thing day one a new doom game comes out game pass elder scrolls when that comes out game pass stop stop don't talk about elder scrolls because i will fangirl and i'll screech What, what's what's that? They've just made a new Dishonored or a Wolfenstein Game Pass. Yeah. Oh, look, oh I'm sure some of you have played Evil Within. Mm, let's just see if they just made a new Evil Within. Do you know Game what? Pass. I haven't played I Evil Within. Thinking about that. I know. Fallout Game Pass. Stop it. I have <laughs> just stop. I can keep, I can keep going. <laughs> no, because I'm going to screech like a fangirl in a minute. I really it's am. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous to say so many huge, huge oh. name. IPs, Starfield, Doom, <laughs> Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Wolfenstein, you know, Dishonored, Prey, Evil Within, like any future games of those IPs, Game Pass, day one. Yeah. No extra cost. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> that is absolutely staggering to the industry. And as we have already said, there are a lot of people going on about, like, oh, yeah, no, but these are now going to be Xbox exclusives. And 
I, I really don't, I don't think, think so. Yeah, yeah, they've beat around the bush a bit with the answer. I think that's them just playing the clever game My... without officially saying the words, they will come to PS5. They're going to drive up a couple of extra Xbox sales. And can you blame them? They've still no. got us to make a bit of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have sort of loosely beat around the bush by saying like, oh, you know, case by case basis, it'll be looked at. And we pride ourselves on getting things out to... Um, as they put it, PC, uh, Xbox, onto the mobiles with xCloud, and then they say, and other devices. So, like, you know, they, they, they beat around the bush, but you can just, you can see what they're trying to say oh. without saying. It's, it's and... like I said earlier, I can guarantee to you, and I'm very confident on this, that those huge IP games, all the ones that you've just listed off there, the Wolfensteins, the Elder Scrolls, Fallout, all of that, all of those IPs will remain on the mainstream consoles purely yes. because they're already well established. But anything new, anything that comes out of Bethesda that is not that is a brand new IP has the opportunity to become uh, an Xbox only exclusive because yeah. they're those, the studio. Those will, those prob like, and not just could, but probably, probably will. will. Depending um, on most what... likely, if Arcane, like I know Arcane have recently started hiring for two brand new unannounced IPs. Yeah. So um, you know we, we don't know what they are. They've recently started hiring for the, uh, for those roles. So Arcane currently have two new things on the horizon. So they're going to start working. At this point, probably a safe bet to say those two brand new IPs that are completely unannounced, they might end up being Xbox um, and PC exclusives. Um, and maybe not even just those, you know, you never know, they might come to Switch. I mean, Xbox and Nintendo have a very close relationship. They are very friendly with each yeah. other. That, that's so, the thing. You know, we just don't know. They and, might not and... come to PlayStation, but yeah, Starfield, it, don't kid yourself, it's coming to PS5. Like, yeah. Starfield's coming to PS5. Interesting Elder story 6, about Starfield. Do you want to oh, go for it, Rhys? Because you oh, were the one who told I'd me. I'd love to have the pleasure because this one's juicy. So, um, Sony very recently attempted to acquire Starfield from Bethesda Softworks as a PlayStation 5 timed exclusive. They were denied such deal by Bethesda Softworks. Within the week, Zenimax Studios is bought by Microsoft. If that isn't the biggest fuck you <laughs> <laughs> to another company, I don't know what is. Um, so one... I personally feel dick move by Sony. They yes. tried to make Starfield one of the most anticipated games coming up. Uh, you know, we don't we know so little about Starfield that it's got everyone on the edge of their seats every time we get a hint of could we get more Starfield. It's the first brand new IP the Bethesda Game Studios has put out in I think it was like 15 years. Mm -hmm. Like so this is a big deal for Bethesda, Bethesda Softworks yep. because they've done nothing but Fallout and Elder Scrolls for a very long time. Do you think maybe they're feeling the pressure? Like, they know their hardware is subpar compared to the Xbox. It's so possible. They, they're they, really they yanking really at the exclusives. To... Yeah, they, they, they the are. Exclusives. And um, I think with their with their SSD technology, which I'm at no point am I taking that away from PlayStation and Sony, I think the, the supposed specs of the SSD and what it should give is fantastic. But my biggest problem with Sony in that regard is that tech itself will be only focused in their own development. And that does absolutely no help to the rest of the industry. And that's my yes. biggest problem with Sony and with PlayStation. They do fuck all 
and I mean this, and I don't care if I sound aggressive, they do fuck all to help the entire industry. And it yeah. pisses me off that people applaud it. Exclusivity yeah, it's, it's, ruins it's, the industry. It's a good example there. It's, for example, like it's why you can see when Naughty Dog Studios can put out a game that looks so damn good years after the PS4, and they did it with the PS3 as well, with the Uncharted games as well, and it's because they've got experience in really squeezing every last drop of performance that the consoles can can put out because they have that sort of insider connection to what the PlayStation can actually do. Do you really think a third-party studio that puts their game out on PC, you know, a Nintendo console on Xbox and on PlayStation would be able to do something that Naughty Dog can do five years after after the release? No, because they don't have such a close sort of contact and relationship with what hardware is in the PlayStation. So they don't really get to utilize the, that console to its full potential. It's why, you know, years and years down the line, Uncharted could keep coming out and blowing people's minds on the PS3 and on the PS4 and be like, how how are they still making the game look better and better when it's the same console? Yeah. It's, it's for those reasons. It's because of the fact that they're a first-party studio. Um, and don't get me wrong, it works like that with Xbox as well. I'm sure with the first-party studios, it's a, sim- it's a little bit of a similar thing. But it's quite a, it can be quite a big problem. And that's what's so good about these moves from Xbox recently, where they're not focusing on this, we need to be exclusive. They're focusing more on the, this needs to get out to everyone. Yeah. And it, they've done they've done absolutely everything in, in my in what I think is their power to be able to do that. Accessibility and visibility on Xbox's part as a brand, not as a console, as a brand, has been absolutely incredible to a point yeah. where this only benefits the industry. Because yeah. what happens with the Game Pass, and I think this was a, a fear very early on, was that it wouldn't be able to sustain itself because it's a subscription service. And if not enough people buy into the subscription service, it fails and it crumbles. Yeah. What has happened is because they've managed to pull these game studios and these agreements to come through and Bethesda were one of the first big companies to really get on board with the Game Pass is yeah. it's starting to move and pay for itself. So what does that do? If a game comes onto the Game Pass, excuse me, if a game comes onto the Game Pass, that third party company, that first party company, that branch doesn't really matter. They will actually get steady revenue based off of the Game Pass subscription fees. So, later on down the lifespan of a video game, they will get a nice flat figure across yeah. the from the Game Pass directly. Now, how yeah. does that impact first-party titles on day one? Well, the company itself gets the majority of the subscription fees. So, from their perspective, actually, it's not just first-party titles that are really bringing the subscriptions in. It's a lot of third-party titles as well. It's now in such a point where it's so sustainable, they bought Zenimax Media for $7.5 billion. That, if that's not a big old flex and a big old get, you know, swing and dick around movement I've ever seen to say, look, Game Pass is obviously working for us and so is the accessibility. And offering a next generation console at $300, people cannot say that Game Pass doesn't work. Yeah. When it obviously does. And it, it, it really it's is. I mean, so great for the industry. They, they can. 
but they'd be wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would be very yeah. wrong. They, they, they physically can, can say it. claim if they want. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no claim because there's just, a, like, there's so many pro arguments for it. And I'm, I'm going to use the argument that I heard um, a little bit earlier today when I was watching the video. And somebody was discussing Game Pass as well. And they said, actually, from an accessibility point of view, people with disabilities can struggle to play video games. We all know that, you know, there are some people with physical and mental difficulties that are unfortunately not able to play certain video games. Um, and in that case, sometimes these individuals may not be able to work, hence their funding and their, their money and everything is quite a bit lower than anybody else, especially in the UK, um, with disabilities allowance being cut constantly. But what Game Pass actually gives and what a reduced next generation console actually gives is it gives people with you know, money issues with disabilities, the accessibility to try a new game that they want to play. If they get an hour into it and they can't play it anymore, then they can just delete it and try a new one. That's what Game Pass offers. Without yeah, Game Pass, it, it, you're buying one for 60 quid. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Can you imagine paying 60 quid for a brand new game and then discovering that due to your disability, it's very, very hard for you to yeah. really enjoy yourself on that game. And it's not necessarily the game developer's fault. They they didn't know that you wouldn't be able to. But the price is a hefty price to, like you said, get an hour in yeah. and realize this isn't working. I'm struggling to enjoy this game because of my disability. That's a, that's a really sad fact. And the just the fact that then they're being hindered by this. And another game that may have worked out absolutely perfect for them they now can't buy because they chose to buy this other big title for 60 quid. But like you said, if they're all on Game Pass, you, know, you download, you start playing. This this isn't quite working for me. I did want to try it, but unfortunately I can't. Uninstall it, try the other game, and you find, oh my god, this is this is amazing. I'm absolutely loving this. This would never have been my first choice. But I've ended up coming back to it, and now I realise that I love it. And that again is, yeah, that's something that this yep. singular price subscription with all of these options provides. Is that the game that would have been your first choice may not be your best option. The game that would have been your tenth choice may end up being it. But you you have the ability to try all these games and find out how they're going to work for you. Let, you know, let if, me... if... Oh, go on. It's, it's a good topic to have come on to actually, because thinking about it. Like, you definitely, you will have people that will claim that, you know, such and such disabled person should have researched the game first and found out if that game had the accessibility options that they would need to enjoy it before they go and drop their, their 60 bucks and realize, well, actually, I can't play this game, so I've just wasted a, a ton of money, which, you know, I don't make a lot of money where I work, but... It's comfortable enough that I can drop £60 on a game, and if I don't like it, it sucks, but it's not a huge problem. But when you're on a couple of hundred quid, uh, uh, like a fortnight through our benefit system, it, it is a large chunk. So yeah. to, you know, to be let down by the game not being accessible is a big problem. But... The, the point I, I started this, uh, my little section, the point I'm trying to get to is we don't have to research our games and go, oh, you know, is it playable by a perfectly able-bodied person? So why should they have to? Yeah, why should exactly. they have to spend hours looking yeah. into a game to see if it's accessible for them? It just should be. It, like, 
it, it shouldn't be a matter of hoping that it is. It, it yeah. just should be. Games yeah. should be made with a certain level of accessibility options at and this point. That's why, do you remember, this was a, a this was about a year or two ago now, but we were talking about it, um, Leechy, when it came out. The major jump forward that Xbox made with yeah, their with accessibility the, the, controller hub. Yeah, that big and thing, yeah. Yeah, with like the six billion ports it has on the back. <laughs> like All these different controller options that they've put out for um, people with disabilities to be able to use like i said you there was things like um giant like really large a x y and, and b buttons for uh you know people who can't hold a small controller and things like yeah. that there was these big sort of they were like these big round touchpads that you could use like a giant touchpad sort of analog stick and these like foot pedals and it, all sorts it, it was it was wild how many different device things that they developed and they worked with disabled people as well to, to design them to be like you know how how would this work how would how can we make things accessible for you and things like that and every single one of them just plugs straight into this accessible hub that they designed that accessible hub then plugs straight into the xbox one and yeah just it, it just works it'll work you you just you just tell the console that this foot pedal is now the a button and that foot pedal is the b and this big touchpad is now a replacement for your left analog stick and things like that and it it was absolutely fantastic to see this sort of level of care and detail they went into to make sure that games were accessible to people who needed the accessibility because not everybody can hold a controller and it's they've they've definitely followed on from that philosophy uh in their in their more digital model as well that's the physical side of what they did yeah. and then things like the game pass and everything is the more digital side of what they've been doing and trying to make sure that just like i said what what they've said in the past everybody deserves to play games it doesn't matter how why or you know what your options are everybody can play games and they want to make sure that they provide you with every opportunity that they physically can to allow you to play games and if there's a reason why you can't you can sure as hell bet they've uh, like if it's been brought to their attention they'll probably find a solution for it within the next couple of years because that's what they seem to be doing is they're trying to make they're trying to make games just just universally playable it's not about playing games on their console it's just about playing games and all of that stems from um the fact that phil spencer for example since he's taken over this man is passionate about what he does and he's poured that passion so heavily into the model of xbox over the years and there you go that that all of this conversation now that we've just had is all based on the accessibility that the branding of Xbox is doing for video gamers. Not for Xbox users, not for PC users, for video gaming as a whole. And um, in my personal opinion, Sony just is not on that level whatsoever with with it. Yeah. Accessibility is not within their repertoire and it's not really being considered by them properly. And then, And unfortunately... I say unfortunately, actually, this is fortunately. They are moving in that direction, but that's because their, co their 
rival and their competition is already doing that. Yeah. So Sony are bringing out um, basically like an Xbox Game Pass type deal with their first party titles, except for I'm pretty sure they said it wouldn't be like first day release. Um, they are starting to bring out more of their first party titles onto PC, usually about a year after. Again, yeah. the these are all focused timed exclusives. Um, and... You know, people who are praising, ex- I said this earlier, people who are praising exclusives as a marketing point of view need to really get a grip because exclusivity is killing the industry. And I'm glad that exclusivity is dying for majority of the industry. I know that there's still Sony, there's still Nintendo, this situation of ex- exclusivity will still continue because let's face it, Halo's not going to go onto the PlayStation as Uncharted isn't going to go onto the Xbox. That's fine. That's going to happen, and that's always going to happen. There's going to be exclusives. But your main selling point should be accessibility. It should not be come here so that you can only play this game. Spend yeah. four, five hundred quid because we've got three games that you will not find anywhere else. That is not fair on somebody, and that's forcing them into that purchase. And yeah. that's why, in my opinion, Xbox, with their accessibility, because they've got accessibility with their new consoles and with everything new coming through and everything else like that, but they've sat there and said, you know what, 70% of titles that are coming out on the next generation, you can still have on your old generation, and you can still, you know, it works in tandem, and then when you upgrade, you can still have those games for no extra cost. Please tell me how that is not, in any way, shape, or form, pro-consumer accessibility. And tell me how PlayStation are doing the same. Because they're not. There's a couple of third-party titles, Cyberpunk is the best example, that have said, if you get Cyberpunk on PS4, you'll get it for free on PS5 through the store. Which is fantastic. But that's not driven by Sony. Sony's response to it is... Well, you can sign up for our um, Game Pass and then you'll get access to loads of PlayStation 4 titles when you get a PlayStation 5. I, it's, I just, it's not I, the same. No. <laughs> it's, it's just simply, the only way you could describe that is just, it's not the same. And, and Pink, <laughs> Pink Eye's kind of nailed it here. Exclusivity is the thing of the 2010s. Um, games simply won't work elsewhere like a decent chunk of PC strategy games exactly Pink Eye and, yeah. and that's that's a very good one um, because they've tried but to do strategy even, games before even in, even in that way things are slowly cha- uh, changing yeah. for example an MMO was you know you go back 5-10 five, five, years and tell people like oh, should MMOs come to console and they'd laugh in your face and say yeah, no they they'd never work but look at Elder Scrolls Online Elder yeah, Scrolls Online, online isn't, isn't the biggest of MMOs, but it's a pretty damn big one, and it works yeah. absolutely fantastically on consoles. It's, you know, it just goes to show that it can take some extra work, but yeah, even then, these things, they, they can be made to work. It's just all about putting the options in in people's hands. And Black Desert, as Pink Eye said, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and that kind of leads... So all of this... So we've been live for 43 minutes now. Um, the main topic was completely about how Microsoft have purchased Cinemax Media. Um, we talked about 
you know, ten minutes for that. And and I think the whole last like half an hour has been so focused on why <laughs> why a lot of these huge Bethesda IPs, Arkham IP Arkham God's sake. Arcane. Um, Arcane, thank you. I was thinking of Arkham Knights. Um all of those huge IPs will most probably still come to the wider audience because Xbox is more focused on accessibility than exclusivity. Yes. And that um, that is the key to take away from here. Will Elder Scroll Elder Scrolls Six be on PlayStation Five? I am ninety nine percent sure that it will be. Yeah, purely I, because I promise you yes. Yeah. Purely because of a profitability perspective. It does not make sense from a business perspective that you've already built an audience across the whole of the I, industry to then cut a portion of the industry out. I no don't sense. think Bethesda would have made that deal, not even for $7.5 billion, if Microsoft had turned around and said, yeah, but, you know, let's, I know not Starfield 1, but let's just say Starfield ends up being a huge game and we get Starfield 2. You know, I, if they turned around and said that uh, Fallout 5, Starfield 2... Elder Scrolls 6, they're going to be Xbox exclusives. I don't think Zenimax Studio would have made that deal. I genuinely don't. Not even 7.5 billion. It, it, no, and, and it's just, you, you are I completely mean, the right. the reason that they shut down PlayStation Sony when Sony tried to have Starfield as a timed exclusive. They yeah. just straight up denied them. They were just like, no. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. They're, they're too big. You, like, can you imagine an exclusive Elder Scrolls game? People would lose their shit. Oh, people would lose their shit. And and, and Pink Eye has just mentioned there that it's probably because they've done most of the work. The problem is with that Pink Eye is, let's say they then release the Elder Scrolls and they start to focus on the Fallout series. What would Elder happen... Scrolls 6 will not have been uh, in development yet. Either, either way, cutting out... You've got, to, you've got to remember the Elder Scrolls and Fallout. I'm going to use these two as probably the, the biggest IPs that are currently out there um, yeah. for these companies. They have such a wide audience that you know, no matter where it's being sold, it will be purchased. Look at Skyrim, for fuck's sake. That's been purchased about seven <laughs> times by everybody. Tom has a boner for getting Skyrim on everything physically possible. Do you He's really just, think I mean, the Elder Scrolls he... 6 isn't coming to everything physically possible? And then again, and then again, again, and then again after that. He's just sold it again for $7.5 billion. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, Todd Howard's done it again. Genuinely, um, it's such a large IP that it makes no sense when you're guaranteed a wide audience that you cut a portion of the audience off. Because from a profitability perspective, it will you'll be losing too much profit. Um, and you know, you, you've got to, you've got to remember that I'm going to take just three main platforms here for an Elder Scrolls game, especially Skyrim back in 2011. Um, there were three main platforms in which one of them wasn't even around uh, from release, I think. There was the PlayStation platform, the Xbox platform, and then the PC platform. I'm pretty sure PC was about a year later anyway. Uh, so let's say equally each platform across the last nine years have got an equal share of the sales across that game. So PlayStation, Xbox, and PC, they're all at about 33.33% recurring. Now... You can bet that everybody who loved that game will most probably buy the sequel. Or you'll get new people buying the sequel. And let's say that there's another split. Maximum of sales and profitability, you'll be, re you'll be cutting off 33% of that. You'll be saying to PlayStation, 
pe- or people who only have a PlayStation console. Nope, sorry, it's not coming out of the console. Bang, 33% is immediately gone. But a new yeah. IP doesn't have that pre-established fan base. A new IP can easily become an exclusive, which will most probably happen with acquiring these studios. Um, because there's no guarantee of profitability of it, if that makes sense. So you're not yeah. cutting off your own profit. You're just building it for that exclusivity. And if they... I think if Xbox acquired Zenimax Media for exclusivity, then that would have been announced immediately. And they would have said, these you know, future titles for this studio will only come out on Xbox... That would have been the first thing. Because I can guarantee to you that if Sony did this, they would say, bang, all of these are going to be exclusives. And yeah. everything coming out of this studio will be exclusive. That would be their main selling point. Yeah. If, if, it, if all of these games were coming to Xbox only, it'd be the biggest thing for them to say of just like, yeah, guys, if you want these games, get our, get our console. Exactly. And I, I don't... And now we're saying this now because this is the, cons- the current state of Xbox. Five years down the line could be a completely different experience you have a look at as you've mentioned already roost what happened not even five years ago um when you know and for the xbox one release where the xbox one was being commissioned as a tv box fuck off yeah as a games console let me play my game stop forcing the connect on me stop forcing these peripherals that i just don't care about on me um and then since then they got rid of the director they they bought in phil spencer He's turned it around for accessibility and everything like that, and it's now in a fantastic place. We say this now, though, five years down the line, could very well change. We yeah. don't know that. But as of right now, I am so confident that those huge IPs will not become exclusives. We'll just have to wait and see what, what happens five to, ten, five to ten years down the line. Yeah. So to touch on what uh, Pink Eye has just um, said, so... With Avowed, we haven't really had a, like much to go on other than that one little trailer, which kind of showed a little bit of a theme. So we don't really know gameplay-wise how big it's going to be. Is it going to be like a Skyrim-esque game, as most people think? But the thing is, is I don't personally believe that Avowed and Elder Scrolls are going to be... Uh, well, they will technically be direct competitors, but they're not really going to end up competing with each other because of the year the year's difference in their release so avowed i reckon we've got two years for avowed to come out uh i, I would say 2022 is probably going to be avowed's release it could be wrong but that's sort of my guesstimation yeah. now elder scroll 6 we're looking at 2025 2026 that's years later yeah. like avowed will have been but out maybe star years. citizen might have been out by then exactly and and also to touch <laughs> on it also to touch on the thing you said just before it about um chances are they've got a running port of elder scrolls 6 for ps5 um i can guarantee you there is no playable elder scrolls 6 at the moment elder scrolls 6 is nowhere near in the playable kind of development stage not even as like a really early thing so with bethesda um game studios the way they develop they develop very very focused on one project Towards the end of that project cycle, um, they'll start pre-production of their next game. But actual production will not start until the previous one has released. Um, So with Starfield, it's coming to the end of its production. Obviously, you know, it looks like we're going to... I believed... I was 
believed and hoped we'd be looking at Starfield, you know, coming out, you know, and about around now-ish, but nah, it's very clear at this point. Starfield's going to be 2021. Um, but it's it's heading into its sort of final months of, of production, which means Elder Scrolls Six will be in pre-production at the moment, where they've, you know, they, they're starting to write story. They're starting to generate assets and get assets ready for use and, and things like that. They're probably, you know, collaborating the engine, getting things ready. But there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff being done by a smaller team of people, while the bulk 90% of the team will continue to work on Starfield. As soon as Starfield releases, a splinter team of, let's just say, you know, 5% of the studio, that's a number I'm pulling out of my head, but, you know, uh, let's just say 5% of the studio will remain on Starfield to continue upkeep for the next year, uh, where they will continue to put out any updates, DLC, you know, things like that. And it is at that moment, as soon as Starfield releases, is when Elder Scrolls Six will hit full development. But Elder Scrolls is looking at like a four to five year development cycle. Yeah. So I, I, I can promise you that with Avowed probably coming out in the next two years, Elder Scrolls won't be coming out for the next four to five years. Although technically from a genre and their theme point of view, they will be competitors. No one's going to be choosing which of the two to buy or play because no, I think competitors if you like is that, the wrong about yeah i think it's the wrong term i think comparisons is probably the right term here because they're not directly yeah. competing because they won't be released within the same same time scale um they will be compared though very much yeah. so people and, will have their yeah. favorites but without doubt they'll have both there's not going to be anybody at any time that's going to be choosing between avowed or elder scrolls because avowed's going to come out and everyone's going to buy it and then years and years down the line elder scrolls is going to come out and two to three year release cycle yeah, yeah that'd be pretty good i can i can uh, i can agree with that but um but yeah i i highly doubt that there's any kind of sort of runnable port uh on the ps5 at the moment so Technically, they probably could get away with like an exclusivity of Elder Scrolls Six, but like they won't. They just won't. No, I think from a business perspective, it just wouldn't make sense. What we've also got to remember here, everyone, is that console sales are not that profitable. In some cases, a lot of companies can actually lose money when you count in man hours and work hours. Mm -hmm. Um. The so, PS3 lost money. PS3 yeah. didn't make profit and for many years. That's something that we all have to take into consideration as well, that using exclusives to sell consoles is not actually... That's not a thing, really. It's to get more people onto a platform to sell them more games. Yeah. And the way that Xbox are doing it allows the accessibility across multiple platforms. So that it wouldn't make any sense for them to only make exclusives in that respect and regard. In my opinion, like I said, this could change down the line, but anybody who's worried about the acquisition of the Bethesda teams and everybody else under Zenimax Media, especially with Fallout, Doom, Elder Scrolls, genuinely, I don't think there's anything to worry about. 
Not, nah. not for the next five to ten years, at the very least. And that's it. Leechy, do you have anything to say? Uh, no, not really. To be honest. <laughs> right. So, if we're about to be wrapping this up, yeah. um, I just want to do one more thing again, just to really get people's juices flowing, get things pumping, because this is exciting. People should be excited. So I just want to remind people: Dishonored, Prey, Boom, Day One Game Pass, Wolfenstein, Boo, a Doom, Day One Game Pass. Evil Within, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Starfield, all day one Game Pass. I fucking love Phil. Spencer. That is ridiculous. That is so crazy. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna just quantify something very, very quickly as we wrap up as well. Um, I'm gonna take the average. I'm gonna take the average prices of video games now to about thirty to forty pounds uh, in like current states, release points, sale points, anything like that. So across the entire sort of period, we're probably looking at about thirty to forty uh, pound per game. Yeah. Um, they're not they're rough figures. Now we're spending at least eight pound on a part of Game Pass for a hundred titles. Yeah. That in and of itself is probably the equivalent of three to four thousand pounds. I'm just going to leave three, you with that. Three, three to four thousand pounds worth of games for under a hundred pound every year. Yeah. All year, every in year. In which probably about ten to twenty of those games will most probably be first party titles that were released on get on day one. Yeah. Across the day year. one, day one for a hundred for under a hundred pound a year. Um, a hundred more like 150 if you've got ultimate which again you know that is fantastic if you play on console and it also gives you uh, xbox live that have all of those games all of the games going out and more i'm sure they're going to continue to expand is ridiculous it is ridiculous and with nikki's point here anyway that they won't stay on game pass that's absolutely fine because do you know what it's not like they just they don't replace it. A new game replaces it. Yeah, my time. thing is my thing is as well, they stay on Game Pass for long enough that it's to the point where you'll know what games you loved and what games you didn't. Yeah. So let's use Starfield as an example because it's such a big title that's gonna be coming. Let's say Starfield hits Game Pass day one and it stays there for two years. For two years you've got access to that game. By the time it's removed you can pick it up for like 10 top quid probably i'd be happy to pay that 10 quid to get that game that i know i put thousands of hours into yeah. if i loved a game so much the game that i put 10 hours into <laughs> a resubscription um harley thank you so much for that you disrupted the podcast but thank you so so much for the subscription there buddy four months that's fucking crazy i love you so so much um, and so it's uh, building on your point there, Roost. If I had the game on Game Pass, I played it for two years religiously and I loved it to that point, I would fucking spend 90 quid on it after those two years. If I loved it that much. Uh, 90, 60, I meant 60. I would spend full price of a day's release if yeah. I loved it to a point where I still wanted to play it after it 
came off the game. But you pass. just know it's going to be at such a fraction of a price by that time, yeah. as well. That is, it, it allows you to play so many titles and find out what you do and don't love that you have that option. <laughs> Nikki, man, thank you for the prime as well. <laughs> Three months, then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so so much. Um, so it looks like Harley Demise Nine here says he's just pre-ordered the Xbox today. So there's a man who sold on it. Um, and there we go. It's yep, guys. We definitely got to wrap this one up because we've just hit the hour mark. If but... we've hit the hour mark and it was on one small topic, but yeah. it was a wild one. It was crazy, and I think we are everybody across the industry has to admit that. The accessibility that Xbox is providing video gamers <laughs> is just incredible. Yeah, And I don't think anybody can argue that fact. And anybody who sits there and says, well, you know, specs are more important, are snobby if assholes. If specs are more important, get a PC. If yeah. games are more important and you like consoles, then just get the one you like more. Exactly. Like this, like that. That's that's the, the the key point. Is it's all about weighing up the options and what works for yeah. you, yeah. and rather than Sony best kill, <laughs> for sake. But but yeah, that's it. Everybody in the stream, thank you all so much for watching. Leechy, you've been integral to this conversation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I you know I love you. Everybody, not thank sure where you'd be without me, to be honest. <laughs> oh yeah we wouldn't be able to do this without you man just no, God, no. <laughs> um but yeah thank you all for watching i love these podcasts so much if you're watching this on youtube thank you so much for reaching this point as well um we will hopefully be back with something else and something you know very juicy if you want the conversation to continue then you can find me and rooster on twitter you can join the discord and carry on with me rooster and lychee and everybody else in that discord uh, the Discord for the YouTube will be in the link down below. But for you guys in the stream, it's just exclamation mark Discord if you're not already there. But other than that, guys, thank you all for joining us on episode 15. Um, this shall be released on YouTube hopefully by tomorrow. But for now, I will see everybody who is here, most probably on Wednesday if you come back to the stream tomorrow. I'll be live again at 8pm. But thanks, everyone. Much love to each and every one of you. Thank you for subscribing if you did sub towards the end. Nikki and Harley, you guys are fucking awesome. But for <laughs> now, guys, I'm going to end the stream.